really matters? That might be the most important question you can ask. So let's talk about it. Welcome to What Really Matters podcast, Everyday Spirituality with Karen Wyatt. Thanks for joining me here again today. For this episode, I've decided to revisit a book that was actually very pivotal for me in my earlier spiritual development. And this book is The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. And chances are you've read it already. Uh, It was copyrighted first in 1997. So it's an older book. It's been around a while. But I read it fairly soon after it came out. And it made a big difference to me. I'd been on my spiritual path for quite a long time. But This little book and the four agreements gave me reminders of things that I needed to focus on at the time and I needed to do better with. And so I thought I would look at that again and and look at it now from the perspective of where I am now in my spiritual development and talk a little bit about these agreements. So uh, Don Miguel Ruiz I'll just um, summarize a little bit his bio. He was born into a family of healers and raised in rural Mexico. Uh, he was His family was part of the esoteric Toltec uh, tradition, and his family hoped that he would continue as a Toltec healer and teacher, but instead he went to medical school and became a surgeon. But then he experienced a, had a near-death experience after a car accident. And that experience shifted him into an intensive spiritual practice. And ultimately, he completed an apprenticeship with a powerful shaman in Mexico. And since then has become a Toltec healer and teacher sharing the wisdom of the ancient Toltec. So this book, The Four Agreements, came from the Toltec tradition originally, as interpreted by Don Miguel Ruiz. So I'll start with the first agreement, which is be impeccable with your word. And he writes, speak with integrity, say only what you mean. Avoid using the word to speak against yourself or to gossip about others. Use the power of your word in the direction of truth and love. And uh, this this agreement, I think, probably hit me the hardest when I first read this because I became aware for the first time of how often I said negative things, sometimes negative things about other people, very often negative things about myself. And sometimes I also was not careful enough about making sure I was I was being totally honest because I was a people pleaser and sometimes I wanted to soften what needed to be said or change things a little bit to try to make it easier for the other person to hear what I had to say. But at times I was actually giving them false information because I was trying so hard to tell them what they wanted to hear. So at that time in my life, it was pretty powerful to be introduced to this idea of being impeccable and, uh, and actually of not speaking unless I could be sure that I was saying the right thing. 
And so I was in medical practice at the time and doing hospice work with patients. And I suddenly became aware all the time. In fact, I, I went through experiences of sometimes having to pause and hesitate quite a bit before I could answer a question or before I could say anything because my mind was telling me the quickest thing that it wanted to say. But when I analyzed it to ask, is this the highest truth? Am I being impeccable with the word if I say that? And I would have to stop and rethink how to say what I was going to say. And it was a, a very powerful practice. And I'm a person who likes to talk a fair amount. And at that time, I was serving on a number of boards. I used to always be someone who would be raising my hand and commenting or sharing information. And suddenly, I became very quiet on the boards that I sat on and people were wondering what's going on. But honestly, I, I had to constantly stop myself and rethink and reevaluate what do I want to say and how do I say it and how do I give it clarity and how do I make sure it's filled with integrity and that it's the right thing to say? So I went through quite a transition period as I focused on, on being impeccable with my word. And on the whole, I got better at it at, over time, at least at things that I would say. But I continued and still do to this day to have some difficulties with gossip at times. I find, find myself slipping into it, um, sometimes gossiping with other people. If anyone else initiates the gossip, I'm always a willing participant in that. And so rereading this book has reminded me like, uh-oh, I need to do a better job. And uh, another thing I wanted to say that that I worked on, and this has been within the last five or six years, is working on the written word, particularly emails and text messages, because I became aware of how powerful our written word is. And when people can't see your nonverbal communication, your facial expressions, or hear the tone of voice, they can easily be misled by things that we type. So I suddenly became obsessed with being impeccable with the messages that I send out to people. And I started rereading my text messages. One thing I saw in my messages uh, a few years back is that I often tended to apologize frequently during my messages, especially if I was writing to someone I didn't know well. I almost always had an energy about it that I think I'm bothering you by sending you this message and I feel bad about that. And uh, you could feel it in the words that I was writing. And I recognize how much low self-esteem is behind those words. And it, again, it wasn't something I was consciously thinking. It was an energy about me that I've carried with me for my whole life that was coming through in the way I shaped my, my emails, particularly emails because they're longer than text messages. So I went through a practice of stopping after I'd write an email and trying to reread it from my higher consciousness and making sure was this my wounded ego, ego, my low self-esteem that wrote that email? And I would go back and reread it. And sometimes I had to completely change some of the sentences. I was still conveying the same information. It's just the way I phrased things and the words that I chose in my messages 
were not, that was not powerful or confident. And it really belied the intent behind the message. And so I've been working really hard on that for for the last few years. And I feel like I've done a better job. I've gotten better at my email messages. So uh, I, after rereading it, I can see that I've made a lot of progress, but I also see where I have room to grow. And there are things I need to work on. So this was such a good reminder to me to, I love the word impeccable, be impeccable without without a flaw, without a fault. Of course, it's not possible to be perfect, but the fact that once again, I'm very conscious and aware of choosing words carefully and how I speak to others and also how I speak to myself and what I say about myself. And again, what energy I convey in the words I write in messages to other people. So be impeccable with your word. Agreement number one, um, very powerful for me. And again, as a podcaster and a writer, I use words all the time. And so it's extremely important that I continue to be impeccable as I speak and write. So the second agreement, this also was a powerful one for me and still is. The second agreement is don't take anything personally. Nothing others do is because of you. What others say and do is a projection of their own reality, their own dream. When you are immune to the opinions and actions of others, you won't be the victim of needless suffering. So at the time I first read that agreement, it made a big difference to me because I was working in situations with lots of other people in clinics and in hospices. I was working with with a huge variety of people, but I very commonly took things personally. I took on responsibility that wasn't really mine. I uh, felt victimized at times by other people's opinions or things other people would say to me or other people would do. And when I first read this, it was a shock to actually change my perspective and to realize, oh, they're just doing that because of who they are. It's not my fault. I'm not responsible for it. I don't have to carry the burden of their opinion or, or whatever it is, whatever they're thinking or feeling or saying today. I don't have to carry that within me now as my problem that I have to fix. It isn't mine to fix. I have to stay on my path and be who I am, um, be impeccable with my word, but it doesn't serve me to become a victim and to feel as if I have to, I have to please other people. I have to do what they want. I, I'm constantly doing the wrong thing and causing discomfort to other people and I have to fix that. It helped me so much to make this shift in perspective. And I would say that's probably one of the bigger changes that has happened for me in terms of healing. I've, I've had to go back a long way all through my childhood, growing up in my family, being a teenager, you know, the ravages of adolescence and all of those years of sinking into victimhood 
and feeling like no one liked me, like I wasn't a good enough person. I had to look at all of that because it was all intertwined and all wrapped up in my tendency to take things personally that other people said or did. And uh, still, I'm unraveling some of that, but I have so much more clarity around it, and I can spot it right away when I slip into that role and when I start to speak as if I'm a victim. I'm able to to recognize it and to fairly quick quickly get me out of it, but it took a lot of work, and it was really with this dawning realization as I read this, you know, this simple message in this book that oh my goodness, like think of how much energy I put into taking personally things that other people say and do. How do I ever have time to get anything done? Because I spend all my energy worrying about what other people think or trying to figure out how I can how I can fix things so other people won't get mad at me. So again, it's still a work in progress, but looking back, I can remember how what a revelation it was to me at the time I first read that. And I can see now how much progress I've been able to make and how much healing I've done of that inner child, that wounded ego part of me, which is the part that feels like a victim. And and I can't say when we heal these wounds, it's not as if they go away entirely. Um, a scar remains just as if uh, from a physical wound. And there's always a reminder, there's always a remnant of that wound that's present. We carry it with us always. So I can always look inside and there's a little part of my wounded ego uh, sending out little messages of, of victimhood to me, but they don't phase me now. I don't come from, I don't operate from that energy now. I'm just aware of that little wounded part of me that still needs my love and my compassion. And uh, I've, I've, I've gone a long ways at working at that. And I think it would benefit all of us. It, when I look around at our society right now and some of the ills there, and I go on social media, all I see some days is people taking everything personally, everything that someone else does or says or writes about is somehow personally offensive to another person. And um, everyone is feeling entitled to say, you can't say that, that hurts me, that offends me, you can't do that or say that you have to think about what I need. And that really comes from the ego, the energy behind all of that, that talk and that behavior is ego driven, because that's how the ego feels constantly, I should be the star of the show, I should be the center of attraction, I'm the one who's right. I'm the one who should dictate how we behave and how we talk to one another. So making progress in this area, it really does require spiritual growth. We have to do inner work. We have to recognize the ego, especially the wounded ego, when it shows up as a victim in our lives. And we offer compassion because that's just a hurt part of our of ourselves, a hurt part of our own ego that is still crying out that never got the love and empathy and caring that it needed. And it continues to wallow in a sense of always being a victim and always being hurt. But using our higher consciousness, we can go back and console that wounded part and just say, it's okay, you're okay don't worry, I got you, <laughs> you're all right. And you don't have to you don't have to worry about that anymore. 
So don't take anything personally. Agreement number two, a, a game changer for most of us. I mean, if we could just get people in our society to start thinking this way, like, oh, wow, I spend all my time taking everything personally that someone else says. I think we could make a huge difference in how we interact and how people treat one another. So the third agreement is don't make assumptions. Now, I just this year, I got, um, I trapped myself in a big mess by making assumptions. <laughs> it had to do with the Christmas holiday and how my family was going to spend Christmas holiday. So Christmas already big holiday, lots and lots of emotion wrapped up in it, lots of history and memories and sentimental meaning. And I made assumptions about how we were going to spend that holiday and who would be present for it based on a very limited amount of information. And I ended up getting hurt, like feeling hurt and, and disappointed by the way things turned out, only because I made assumptions. I didn't clarify my assumptions. I didn't go back and look at them. And here's what, uh, what Don Miguel Ruiz says about don't make assumptions. Find the courage to ask questions and to express what you really want. Communicate with others as clearly as you can to avoid misunderstandings, sadness, and drama. With just this one agreement, you can completely transform your life. So uh, I've been a big assumer for much of my life, and I have worked on this one as well. But as I said, almost without recognizing it, I got trapped into a major time of assumptions, didn't communicate clearly, got caught up in misunderstandings, sadness and drama all over Christmas. And so I've had to look deeply at that and realize it. Honestly, it was only what I assumed was going to happen that caused the disappointment and discouragement and the the hard feelings that took place only because I assumed. And all I had to do was keep asking questions and keep clarifying and keep communicating. And if I had even just said, I'm assuming that you mean this, am I correct? If I had only said that, I would have gotten the information I needed and it would have helped me shift everything. But uh, it was the assumption and I realized part of it is because as I said, a Christmas, a holiday wrapped in so much sentiment and meaning and um, so many traditions from the past, I kind of regressed into my former self, uh, let my ego take over and made assumptions that everything would be the way I wanted it to be when it just wasn't possible for that to happen. So again, it's the ego coming in, making assumptions, then uh, taking things personally as well when those assumptions didn't work out and didn't come true. So this has been a really big, this was a huge reminder for me to stop and think do I make assumptions other times that that cause me hurt? And, and for the most part, I will say I'm pretty good at that now. I'm pretty much 
able to stay in the moment and able to free myself of too many attachments and too many assumptions. But I realize now holidays are a pitfall for me that I have to watch out for. Anything that I care deeply about, I'm likely to start forming some attachments and making some assumptions. So I'm going to do a better job. I'll be better at that from here on out, having had that recent experience of disappointment, the drama, sadness, misunderstanding, and awful. We went through it on a holiday that should be a lovely time together as a family. So that was on me. I I take responsibility for that one. Um, but it was a hard lesson, but I'm learning it well. And I'll continue, especially rereading this book, I'll continue to be, be aware, wait, do I have attachments here? Am I making some assumptions? Did I clarify? Did I get all the information I need? Did I ask the right questions? So that's all also part of being impeccable with your word, asking good questions and clarifying things, and as well, not taking things personally that don't work out the way you wish they would. So agreement number three, don't make assumptions. And the fourth agreement is always do your best. And Don Miguel Ruiz writes, your best is going to change from moment to moment. It will be different when you are healthy as opposed to sick. Under any circumstance, simply do your best and you will avoid self-judgment, self-abuse, and regret. So, I admit I have trouble with this agreement, always do your best, because I'm a perfectionist and I'm pretty driven from this kind of message in my mind. I have to do my best because in my mind, always do your best means always do it perfectly. So I set very high standards for myself and I drive myself uh, ridiculously hard sometimes to try to do the best. But the message he's really saying here, which is what he wrote, your best is going to change from moment to moment. And that's the part that I had never learned before, that what is my best right now in what I'm doing today may not be what I'm capable of tomorrow. And uh, it helped me realize how I've set this perfectionistic high standard for myself that I drive myself to try to complete or fulfill and then uh, feel disappointed in myself if I don't get there and I, I don't fulfill it. But that the mistake is in thinking that there's only one best. There's only one way to do your best and this gentle, soft reminder that your best changes constantly, wow, that was a revelation to me. Again, I still struggle with it. And, and just reading those words, always do your best, I feel this perfectionistic part of me grabbing a hold of that and saying, you're not doing your best right now. You could be doing better. Why aren't you, why didn't you get more done today? Why haven't you finished this? Why haven't you called that person? You know, I have a very judgmental part within me that, that pushes me. And when, and those words always do your best 
triggers that part of me to, to be more judgmental. So for me, it's essential that I read that entire paragraph. Your best is going to change from moment to moment. And, um, and he says it right out. You, if you remember this, you'll avoid self-judgment, self-abuse, and regret. So I'm back at square one in some ways with this agreement number four, working on, can I do my best in this moment without slipping into perfectionism and then self-judgment afterwards? So I'm much more aware of this dynamic now and reading that fourth agreement, I think when I initially read it, I may have ignored it because it probably triggered me then. I probably felt a huge amount of self-blame and self-judgment and criticism as soon as I read that and I couldn't deal with it at that time. But I'm in a much better place now later in my life to look back and to see, you know, in some ways perfectionism served me well. I did a lot. I accomplished a lot. I got a lot of work done, but I really wore myself down and exhausted myself in many ways at the same time. And it's definitely time now to start shifting that perspective to be more aware of perfectionism as it arises within me and being able to step back from it to let my higher consciousness take over and say, we'll do our best for today, whatever that might be. And whatever doesn't get done, that's fine, because we did our best. And so, um, that is, that's going to be a powerful thing for me to start working on right now. And I, even as I just said that, I realized that if I said, well, every time I have said in the past, well, I did my best, I uh, judged that as a cop out as a way of saying, oh, I'm going to say it was my best, but I actually made a bunch of mistakes and I didn't get things done. It wasn't my best. So again, I'm still still hearing that connection between doing your best and being perfect. And it's not possible. So uh, this is a great reminder. I'm, I'm just so glad that I reread this uh, to take a look again at these four agreements. I'll, I'll read them one more time. Be impeccable with your word. Don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions. Always do your best. And as I look at the back of the, this book, I see that Don Miguel Ruiz has also written a book called The Mastery of Love, which I have not read, but I would like to, because I really believe in that. And a book called The Fifth Agreement as a sequel to this, this book, when he offers another powerful agreement for transforming our lives. The Fifth Agreement encourages us to see the truth, to recover our authenticity, and to change the message we deliver not only to ourselves, but to everyone else. Um, definitely all the things that I'm working on right now. So maybe you've read this book before and you'd like to revisit it. And if you've never read it, I encourage you to get it. The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. It's a small, simple book, but it's amazing what a difference these brief reminders can make in our lives. So I hope you enjoy it if you decide to reread it as I did. And uh, until next week, remember, we're here for love. So face your fear, be ready for whatever life brings you next, and love each and every moment of your very precious life. Bye-bye.